छात्र अमिस्त्रोबीन हजार Okay, I'm drawing a line in the fucking sand here. Do not read the Latin. Hello, welcome to Don't Read the Latin. I'm Jennifer Lovely. I'm Rias Hall. So, Rias, since you asked me first last time, what have you seen lately? Um, lately I've watched a lot of stuff. I saw some in-theater movies for a change. I saw Spider-Man Far From Home, which, and I saw uh, Midsummer, both in theaters. My feelings towards Spider-Man Far From Home are completely ambivalent, because I'm not into Spider-Man. I really liked, I liked Homecoming, and I liked Into the Spider-Verse. This one just kind of felt like it was... They put too much in it. They, it was too complicated. I didn't like the villain. All right. There's so. a scene where Spider-Man is jumping around on some drones. And I swear to you, it's just a level in a video game. I'm like, oh, I've played that level where I have to jump from thing to thing. So, uh... So how did Jim- you feel about it? I know you also <laughs> saw it. Uh, Jim Tackle and I uh, flew down to Vegas... Uh, for the last week to see his family, uh, my family now too, uh, and we went and saw, uh, took his two twin nephews in Tecla to all see Spider-Man uh, Far From Home, and we all absolutely adored it. Uh, there were points where I felt it was a little ham-fisted, um, but my feelings on it are, so I'm trying to remember, so this is the second of those Spider-Man mm-hmm. movies. Um I think I love the cast. Um, it was a little, like I said, I a little... I do like the cast. There were some fun stuff in it with the with mm-hmm. the cast. I just felt like the overarching, the villain storyline, I did not care for that villain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved it because I am very fond... Uh, like, uh, Iron Man 3 is my favorite of the Iron Man movies because it is dealing with the trauma and the the difficulty of what they have to do and what they have to survive and right. the after effects of what they survive. And one of the things that I really appreciated with this Spider-Man movie is it really dealt with the fact of how in the hell do you handle grieving somebody that is a celebrity to everyone else? Oh, yeah. And, and sharing his No, I love that picture. angle of it. Um, and, and it dealt with his difficulty in, in the fact that he was really suffering mm-hmm. at points and really just trying to carve out a little tiny section. Yeah, he just wanted to have some time to, to be a teenager yep. and to heal. And to go out on a date with a girl he really liked. And Nick Gage screwed it all up. <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal? No. Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, Nick Fury. Nick Fury. Sorry. Different comic like, book character. I'm like, I'm so distracted. <laughs> Sorry, Where are we going I got with confused. This? I meant Nick Fury. Um, so, but I really I'm enjoyed old. it. My memory's not what it used to be. So, so I really enjoyed it. 
Um, I also just finished watching the new se- season three of Stranger Things. We haven't started it yet. It's kind of like if somebody just did a Google image search on like the year 1986 or whatever year it takes place in and decided, I'm going to put all this stuff in my show. Having said that, it it's fun. It's enjoyable. It's not my favorite season. Yeah. But I will I've allow heard really others... mixed reviews on it. People are either like wholeheartedly in or like disappointed. There's a thing that happened which I find unforgivable, but I can't tell you what it is because I haven't seen it, it yet. <laughs> but you'll know when it comes. <laughs> uh, Jim and I saw Annabelle Comes Home in the theater, and I really liked it. Um, oh, good. I found it. I was thinking it was going to. There's so many of those horror sequels that kind of go off again in a different direction with different people. And you're like, mm-hmm. where did this script even come from? Was it a script for something else? And, and they you just, jammed those characters yeah. in? Um, and you worry for a little bit that they're going to do that, you know, because Ed and Lorraine are there kind of at the beginning. And then they go off to do something, leaving their daughter with um, a babysitter. And, and then... You know, you see in the trailer that there's this girl who's going into the room where they keep all of the cursed objects. And you're like, oh, it's going to be one of those fucking stupid, you know, they do really, really Mm -hmm. stupid things. But all of the kids are super likable. And even though they're doing something that's really, really stupid, their justification for the things that that the, the neighbor girl is doing kind of make a little sense. Um, okay. And it's definitely, you know, in the Conjuring universe and or in, you know, in, in the Ed and Lorraine universe they've created, you know, it's not going to be at the very, very top, but it was mm-hmm. enjoyable. It was tense. I was on the edge of my seat. Like a bunch of the scares are really well done. And at the end of it, I really liked all of the kids. So awesome. I thought it was a lot of fun. So a couple of movies that I've watched recently that I enjoyed were... Both about the uh, Nordic black metal scene. This is not a genre of music that I listen to that much, or ever, but really. But it's cinematic. <laughs> but it's cinematic. The first movie is Lords of Chaos, which is based on the true story of a guy who murdered a guy in another band and went to prison for it. Um, it's also, that story is heavily... Um, covered in the movie where the what is it where the when the dark takes us where the okay yeah I remember you talking about that before yeah so Lords of Chaos is a fictionalized version of that documentary so mm-hmm. it's really interesting and good the acting is amazing um, really enjoyed it and then I watched another film about a Finnish black metal band called Heavy Trip and it's a comedy about a black metal band that have been playing together since high school, but for 12 years have never played a gig, but they rehearse all the time. (laughs) And the rumor goes around their hometown that they're playing, headlining a huge heavy metal festival in Norway. But they're not. (laughs) You said you uh, just absolutely adored it. I absolutely adore it. At one point, they they have an accident, and they think they're in Valhalla because a bunch of Vikings show up, but it's actually the SCA. (laughs) I might have to watch this. It is, is, and the guys in the band are just adorably dorky. 
Oh, that's wonderful. They're like actual people I know who have been in bands. They're about actual metal fans. Of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bunch of dorks. Yeah, I hi- uh, Heavy Trip, it's on Amazon Prime right now. And I kind of watched it at random because it just came up on a list of suggestions. And I was like, oh, that could be either really good or really bad. And hooray, it was really good. <laughs> and the other thing that I've watched recently was Wig. Which is a documentary about Wigstock. It's super good. I did good. not bring it up because I am halfway through it, or maybe even a third of the way through it. Um, I am literally um, at the footage where they have Rue um, walking into that convenience store singing, Won't It Turn My My, my Brown Eyes Blue. Yeah. That is like, that's like a third of the way in. Yeah, it's like baby RuPaul. <laughs> I know, it's adorable. Yeah, it's really, I, I really liked it. Yeah. Um, I liked, you know, I wasn't going to bring got, it up until I actually finished it. But it's I, got I, Dina Martina in it, who I love, love, love. I loved the discussion from from um, uh, Bunny uh, talking about, you know, when they stopped doing Wigstock about, mm-hmm. you know, people that want to perform in Wigstock can't afford to live in that area. The area does not yeah. represent them anymore. And that's why they were stopping. Yeah, that, exactly. You know, it's like Capitol Hill, or well, or Seattle in general. In general, yeah, yeah. I know a lot of the a lot of the really good drag shows and stuff in Seattle. That scene has moved down to like South Park mm-hmm. and uh, Georgetown because Seattle is just astronomically unaffordable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for uh, good things that I've seen, uh, I watched Fast Color, uh, which was really really beautiful it is um it is basically the story of three generations a uh, young girl the mom and the grandmother all who have um there, there's a joke that i read online that at that after the credits wrap you expect to have an after credit scene where you know xavier shows up to you know mm. talk <laughs> to them about the school for children that they that they need to go to um it is a world where the rain has stopped falling and water is this almost unattainable resource. Um, and these three women and all the women in this family have had some sort of power, except the mother who's taken off for a while. Um, her power was really destructive. And so put her daughter in danger. And then uh-huh. so she and, had to go. Somewhere. So she had to go and trying to there's so much of it that is all about their family dynamic and women's relationships um, and it's almost like a beautiful little fairy tale. Oh, cool. Um, and it's just amazing, amazing acting. Um, and we really enjoyed it. It's definitely quieter, a quieter film, but it's really beautiful. Um, and then of things that I saw and I didn't like is I finally gave, uh, the spy who dumped me, um, with Sweetie, no, I know the thing is, it's like, I love spy. Spy is great. And it had Kate McKinnon in it. So, and I, I think Mila Kunis is, is adorable and funny and stuff that I've seen. And there were a couple moments in the trailer where I was like, that could be funny. And I think I read somebody, a friend's review that was like, oh, that was a delight. And I was like, okay, I'm ready for this. My expectations are pretty low. And it was just not very good. And I really kind of suffered it out because... Every time you'd be just about ready to just completely give up on it, it'd have a moment that kind of worked and was kind of funny because of the fact that you have Kate McKinnon, who is truly funny. Um, her parents are played by Jane Curtin and Paul Reisner. Mm-hmm. And she has this, like, 
<laughs> like strangely really really interwoven connected relationship with them where she tells them everything and they all really 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 love each other so while all this chaos is going on Mila's like you can't call your parents right now and then you have Jane Curtin and Paul Reisner being adorable and endearing and being like no honey tell us more about what you did of course we're going to support mm-hmm. you because I want to pretend that there is a world where parents are that supportive all the time <laughs> but um I, in my Letterboxd review, um, the one thing I said, in a world where spy exists, this just isn't good enough. Yeah. Because it just wasn't terribly funny, and there was no elevating that really good actors could do off of a script that just wasn't funny enough. And uh, we started uh, the NOS FA2, Nosferatu, Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, Jim and I have both read the book. And How was the book? I've I always wanted to read it. I, I really liked, liked it. Okay. I really liked it. Uh, Jim also really liked it. Um, it's really kind of sticking to the book, which is pretty cool. Wasn't quite grabbing me in the first episode. And then... All right, I'm just going to throw this out there. So I have a bunch of storylines and characters that are just, to be really fucking honest, really goddamn triggering to me. Mm-hmm. And there was some mom characterization where I'm like... I I can't emotionally handle this right now. I, I already had to live this life, and and I am learning that if I find something um, in a, a movie or in television that's just really fucking hitting on my triggers, I don't have to stay there. I yep. do want to try and go back to it, but I need to go back into it knowing that's going to happen. Exactly. So it's just like. You know, it was funny because uh, my therapist (laughs) said to me the other day, like a couple sessions ago, she's like, honey, you have a choice in which media you consume. Because I think something Mm -hmm. like like set off a bunch of family nightmares. And so it hit me that I have a choice in this and there's nothing that I have to suffer through to prove anything to anyone. So I know what I'm getting into and I just have to be prepared for that when I go back into it. Right. There's some more movies I've watched that I can't recommend to you because I know they'll trigger you. Yeah, there we go. I was like, oh, I really like that, but Jen I should watch, can't watch that. that. <laughs> so I get to claim responsibility for our theme for the week, and I'm so excited because I inspired it, but you came up with it. And and I was a little worried because I kind of put like a little bit of a list together before I went mm-hmm. on my trip. And then last night when we were like home for the first night, I was like, oh no, I've got to do all this research. And I looked at past Jen's work. Pastion was awesome. And I'd already done all of my research and I was good to go for tonight. Awesome. <laughs> so the theme is horror on the road. And I kind of like the idea of it being a little loose. Yeah. Um, it was uh, my original idea was road trips to and from hell. Oh, well, that's good too. <laughs> but yeah. mine are a little bit um, not necessarily straight on that. Um, right. Because sometimes your car just stalls in front of an old house. And is that a road trip movie or a scary house movie? How big, to me, how much was the driving a part of the story or part yeah. of what, like, Yeah, I kind of went with that. Okay. Well, I want to hear what you found, what you decided on first. Uh, the first one on my list automatically was Race with the Devil from 1975. I have never seen this movie. It stars uh, Peter Fonda. It stars Warren Oates and Loretta Swit from M.A.S.H., they are on, they've just bought a new RV, and they're going on a trip, on a camping trip, and they park down by this river, 
and they're running around doing camping stuff, and they look across the river at night, and there's a fire, and they see a group of Satanists sacrificing a young girl. They see a murder. So they try to get out, but then the Satanists are chasing them, and it's this huge, crazy chase movie, but then there's also supernatural things happen, like they'll open a cabinet and a snake will jump out of it or whatever. You know, a ghost snake. <laughs> what was the name of it one more time? Um, it is called Race with the Devil from okay. 75. Very well worth seeing. It's got a really creepy ending, which I will not spoil for you. Well, good. But it's just a really weird ending like you would put on a 1975 horror film and it would work perfectly. And it's got an amazing cast. So, yeah, it's... I really like it. <laughs> well, I am going to go with one that I um, re- really remembered loving. Um, that came back came out back in like two thousand seven. It's called Windchill, hmm. and it has um, oh my gosh, the woman from The Quiet Place. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. I can't think of her name. And I, I can see her face, but I can't remember her name. And normally I could just name that sort of thing right off. So the gist of this movie is this girl is a college student. And she's uh, on the East Coast. And she's, I think, going back home to, I believe, Massachusetts. And uh, she was supposed to go on a trip with her boyfriend. That fell through. And she's going to have to take a bus home. And one of her friends is like, well, why don't you just look at the travel board for your college and see if there's anybody, you know, coming back to your hometown. You can ride with them. You can get a ride with somebody. And so she goes back and she's got this guy and it's got all the numbers and she rips one off. And it's just this, this guy. And she starts riding with him. And pretty instantly you start getting like just Mm, danger signals. not okay. Red flag. And, um... I will say when I watched it the very first time, I remembered really, really loving it. And there was a lot of stuff in it that kind of pissed me off now. <laughs> but all in all, I'd say it was pretty entertaining. It's a, it's a tight, small little film. Um, I kind of just don't want to give too much away that what happens. Um, they're driving along the highway. The guy doesn't you're really getting the impression that he kind of doesn't know where he's going and then he decides to take a shortcut which is just the recipe for disaster mm-hmm. and it's also it's uh the day before christmas that's like the 23rd of december so it's like covered it's the east coast covered in snow and pretty much all the things that you think could go wrong with that go wrong um so you know i remembered adoring it didn't quite adore it but it's still an enjoyable tight little movie okay um i have not seen that I've got another movie from 1971 called Duel. I've always it is not, but I've always meant to see it, and I never have. I think for some reason I'm thinking it was a made-for-TV movie. It was a made-for-TV movie, and it's done by Spielberg. But it is super suspenseful because it's just a guy in a car being chased by a guy in a semi truck who wants to kill him. Yeah. And there's no rhyme or reason to it. Doesn't I don't think there's any reason. Maybe I don't know. I don't. I don't believe there was any reason for it. That- the reason when I saw it when I saw it out originally is I was addicted to the old like late seventies and early eighties TV movies, and mm-hmm. so I was going on this like stretch where I was just watching all of them that I could get my hands on. And Duel's pretty accessible; like it's not it as is, hard to find it's a as Spielberg some of them. film. So it's, yeah, 
easier to find. Yeah. But for some reason, I just never put it. The two the two movies like that that I've always meant to see and haven't is that and The Vanishing. Oh, The Vanishing is on my list later. <laughs> so The Vanishing is very disturbing. That's kind Don't of... watch the one with Kiefer Sutherland in it with the happy ending because that is... It's bullshit. Nonsense. <laughs> that is nonsense. We'll have none of that. Oh, okay. It's your turn. Um, one that I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw out really briefly because I remember really enjoying it, but uh, I did not get a chance to watch it because traveling was uh, Dead End with Ray Weiss and Lynn Shay. It's a oh, but I like them. Yeah, and it is it is a comedy of um, a mom and dad and their two kids. They're like teens um and they're uh going on i think they're going to like family for christmas and it's another one of those where they take a shortcut and just horrific things happen and it's really really i remember it being really really wacky and i really wanted to watch it with jim because it seemed like right up his alley like serial killer weird things or do they just get snowed in and suffocate or both i seem to remember like weird supernatural things happening okay and like things not happening like they're supposed to, or right? Because like when you're talking about wind chill, you're like the worst things happen. And I'm like, do you mean the worst things like in they get trapped chill, in snow? Wind chill, they they have an accident, they get plowed off the side of the road, but it's because they're seeing pieces of history and there's ghost activity. Too. Okay, uh, I don't. That's rem- all I need to. Know. I don't remember the specifics in Dead End. I think there's stuff like that too. But again, I didn't give that one a rewatch. But I wanted to bring it up because we are talking about on-the-road movies. And and it came out in, like, uh, 2003. And I remember really enjoying it then. Um, my movies all seem to be super old. Because I'm <laughs> super old. But that's awesome because um, we're covering a lot of different things. The next movie I want to talk about stars Stacey Keach and Jamie Lee Curtis. It's from 1981 and it's called Road Games. And Stacy Keach plays a truck driver. I believe it's in Australia. And he goes to a truck stop, and Jamie Lee Curtis needs a ride to the next city. So she asks if she can get a ride, and he gives her a ride. And he's kind of annoying, but he's not, like, creepy or anything. But they keep seeing this black van. And then there are reports on the radio, and you keep hearing these radio reports about missing women or murdered women... And one time they pass the van and the, there's somebody with, stuffing a trash bag into a hole. And they stop at a rest stop and the van gets hit. Or they pass the van. They stop at a rest stop and something happens. And they get the idea that the person in the van is the murderer. Okay. And they're playing this cat and mouse game as they drive across the deserts of Australia. And it's Woof. yeah, it's really good. Um, it, it, yeah, you know it's, it's really funny because uh, we're watching uh, from the beginning. We're watching um, Brooklyn Nine Nine with Tekla, mm-hmm. and there is a an episode where they have Stacy Keach on Brooklyn Nine Nine, uh-huh. where he's this old seventies yeah cop that you know from a time period in which they were just fucking awful and racist and mm-hmm. corrupt. And it's like, I remember how big, it was Mike Hammer was the show oh, yeah. he was on. Yeah. Like, Stacey Keach was a big, He's a big dude. fucking deal. Yeah. And, uh, you know, an actor with some gravitas back there. 
you know, and it's like every once in a while he, you know, not a fan. He was not afraid of slumming it. He wasn't, but I, I mean, mean, have you seen the episode in uh, John Carpenter's Body Bags that he's in? Yes. With the, the hair serum? Yeah. God, yes. But the thing is, is I, I think what I mean by gravitas is like, you knew it was him. Right. He was, he was charismatic. A, he was charismatic. He was, he was a big name. A big, big manly man. Mm-hmm. You know, anyway. Um, kind of trying to think, because there's a bunch of these I've like talked about in other episodes for different reasons. Um, yeah. I love the movie. Well... I think that's giving it really, really high praise. I <laughs> thought like the movie. I really like the movie Splinter. Um, there is. Oh, I did see that. That's yeah. the one with the pointy monster. Yes. Yeah, I really liked it too. I liked the monster. You seen it was something, something like I've... that. It was like an infection, except it started like taking over the body and cracking it, and like, and you almost started forming these these black, hard, oily spikes, and it started yeah. springing out of your body, and it. It combined body horror with um, being on the run from something. Right, because they're trapped and, in a gas station in a at gas one point. station. Yeah. And uh, because it was... In, and the thing is, is what uh, gets them in danger in the first place is they drive over an animal that had gotten killed and it right. spikes rupture the tire. Right. And I just remember when that came out, like, I hadn't seen anything like that in a in a long time yeah, that had a monster in that way i mean it's it had a monster kind of, that was interesting and original yeah and, and it just did it in a, in a really interesting way and there's all this build up of on the road and then all of a sudden it becomes like this one act play kind of in in the gas in the station because they're trapped there yeah so i just thought it was really interesting and i, and yeah, I, I, like I don't that think one enough, too. it's fun yeah not, not enough people know about that so yeah this and it's on amazon prime exactly right now. Because I just saw it on on the list the other day. (laughs) Um, I'm going to go with the 1986 movie, because I'm keeping a theme of older movies that maybe you guys haven't seen, called The Hitcher, starring Rutger Hauer as the titular hitchular. Hitcher. (laughs) The titular hitcher. (laughs) I remember watching this because I really loved Rutger Hauer. And this movie just didn't do it for me. But but tell me tell me your take on on the picture. I, I think really I watched like it, it so far out of. Did you watch it's it? Pretty cheap. I watched it when it came out. I think on that's HBO. the difference. Yeah, I watched it when it came out, so I was much younger, and I really enjoyed it because it was. There's such dumb stuff in this movie. Isn't it? He C. like Thomas goes. Howell too? You see Thomas Howell, and he goes to a restaurant to get French fries and French fries, and they give him an order, and the hitcher is hiding in the kitchen and serves him up a French fry container full of human severed fingers. All right, is that like it? Yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. That. that happens in it. Um, <laughs> it's it's a crazy '80s horror film that is no better nor worse than it should be. Yeah. And I See, really I think enjoy I watched it. it within like the last five years, and I was like, "Huh, all right." Ah. Well, young Rutger Hauer had that awesome combination of menacing and yet still extremely beautiful and sexy. Yes, yes, he was. So he was great for that. He certainly was. <laughs> <laughs> so I enjoyed that one. I am going to bring up a movie that, if you 
know me, which, you know, you guys have been listening. I just realized uh, this podcast mm-hmm. has been going for five years. So people have been listening to me blathering on. And then all my friends have been listening to me blather on for longer. You wouldn't think I'd really like this movie this much. Uh, House of Wax, the remake edition from 2005 that had Paris Hilton in it. It's not as bad as you would think. Exactly. <laughs> High praise indeed damning, from Rias. Damning this movie with faint praise. No, actually, Paris Hilton was okay in it because the she was playing, playing a character based exactly on her. Exactly based on her. Yeah, so she wasn't having to do any acting. And But the premise is really creepy. They were just out on the road being stupid young people. And it was legitimately creepy and the special effects were really neat and 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 gross and mm-hmm. exactly what it should have been and it's yeah. a lot of fun yeah it, it's fun it's not scary but no, it's fun it's kind of gross <laughs> it's got some grossness in it here and there um let's see let me see if i can find a movie made in this century oh no there aren't any um, I love it. And I've got covering. weird movies on here, too. Because one of my movies is the William Friedkin film, Sorcerer. Have you ever seen that? I just had somebody else recommend Sorcerer to uh, it's me. It's got a soundtrack by Tangerine Dream, which is amazing. But it's basically some guys who have to get a truckload of unstable explosives out of, a, out of this jungle. And they have to go across this super creaky bridge. And if there's if the stuff gets jostled, it will explode and kill all of them. Oh, it's is this it's the one remake. that's based of Wages of Fear? Yeah, it's a remake of Wages of Fear. Oh, it's a Wages of Fear directed by William Friedkin. Wages of Fear really pissed me off. Well, maybe this will piss you off, but it's a really it's a, high they're, tension they're, action yeah. film. And, and Wages of Fear, I mean, we just, I mean, it's a brilliantly done movie. Mm-hmm. It's just the ending made me so angry, and I'm sure it was, you know, his, you know... Well, I have not seen Wages of Fear, so I don't know if Sorcerer ends the same way or not. We'll talk about it when we're not recording. Okay. So, um, I was trying to remember a different movie, but I'm just going to... That was also from the 70s. <laughs> so much for I tried to find some. <laughs> I have some movies from this century... Uh, I'm going to bring up Freeway uh, with Reese oh, Witherspoon and Kiefer Sutherland. Not horror films particularly, but excellent film. Yep, it's I kind of more on the thriller end, but I, I give that one a lot of... Yeah, um, it's, that is a weird movie. It is a fucking weird movie. It is it's one of the founding members movie. of... Uh, one of the founding members of Oingo Boingo uh, wrote, wrote it. Um, I can't I remember his name. Uh, and it is basically a retelling of... Little Red, Little Red Riding, Riding Hood. Except instead of traveling along the woodland path, she is taking the freeway to grandmother's house. And uh-huh. she has and she gets junky parents, up. and she's picked up by a serial killer played by Kiefer Sutherland. Who is super creepy in it. Good for you, Kiefer. <laughs> Way to go, Kiefer. And um, it it is like a strange, drug-induced, alcohol haze, Tex Avery cartoon Mm -hmm. except (laughs) x-rated i mean it is just is so filthy and funny and strange and yeah so go into it knowing that um Uh, it's a super it's got a really huge cult following yeah yeah i i watched it kind of like on a dare and i was just absolutely blown by how much i i really found myself enjoying it it was really funny because i watched um freeway at the same time that i watched rubber 
And I was like, I should not like these movies. Yet I do. <laughs> well, that's fine. That is awesome to find movies that you shouldn't like, but you do like. That's how I felt about that heavy trip movie. I'm like, I shouldn't like this. Oh my God, it's so charming. Uh, let's see. What have I got that's a little more recent on my list? I've got... Um... The Devil's Rejects. That's a film you, that you are going to hate you, that I you, like. <laughs> I like Devil's Rejects a lot. I am not a fan of Rob Zombie's work. But I am a big fan of William Forsyth's work. And he plays the sheriff who's trying to chase down the crazy family. The Firefly family. Who I don't really care for. But he's got so many great scenes and he's got these great aviator sunglasses he wears <laughs> sorry and it is an homage to an entire 70s genre of film <sighs> and i personally like it i know you hate it oh no i i didn't even get to the point of hating it i started it and i was like this is not for me and i yeah i, it's... I, I picked it up examined it and put it down saying no thank you it's over the top. It's got a lot of gore in it. It's kind of, I guess, comedic in parts. Mm -hmm. But I really like it. You but know, then again, I really like Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, which is a straight-up comedy. Yeah. Um, so I really want to mention that um, something that came up in the D. Wallace interview. Um, and... Dee Wallace has worked a bunch of times with Rob Zombie. Yeah. And I might have my issues of, like, his movies and that I haven't liked them very much, that I might like the idea of them, but then how he yeah. executes them yeah, isn't my Yeah, I really, bag. I have hated a lot of his, his movies. movies. Actors love working with them. Yeah. They really do. And, you know... I think anything that is done with that much passion and love. And the thing is, there are a lot of people out there who super, super dig all the stuff he does. More power to it. Keep making yeah. those movies. I and saw keep... 31 and it was the worst garbage ever. Yeah. I still wish that I could just... Maybe I just need to start putting Lords of Salem on in the background with no sound. So I don't have to uh, actually do anything. I have only watched that once. I should probably give it a rewatch at some point. I, I mean, I really just don't, I don't like the choices in the story. I do love the witches. And the thing is, is when I told, you know, I told her, I said, you know, you guys were the best. The witches are oh, the yeah. very best part of the movie. And I just wanted so much more. And she's like, I hear that a lot. And I was like, sorry. oh, you know, I didn't sorry, mean it Rob. that way. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, do, 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 do. I'm going to bring up The Road. Uh, it is a, good golly, is it Thai? Oh, now I feel like an idiot. Uh, it's from 2011. Um, so it's a different one. Yeah, it's not The Road. Um, yeah, the, it's not the Cormac McCarthy. The yeah. Road. I'm going to start talking about another movie while you're looking that up. Okay. Um, a movie that I'm not sure counts as a road trip movie because it's more of a public transit movie. But it's a but it's a movie that defies the genre in ways that I loved was Train to Busan. Oh, 
That's not a road trip. It's a guy just taking the train. But I'm counting it because it's so good. And, and it's so... It, and if it you has, haven't seen it, you need to. It has a lot of emotional depth in it that you don't normally get in a horror movie. Um, the zombies are super terrifying and the zombie infection spreads almost instantly. Instantaneously, yeah. And it's people on a train trying to seal off the cars with the zombies in them, basically. And it's a father with a very small daughter who's trying to get her home yep. safe. And very a very good travel-related horror film, but mm-hmm. maybe not necessarily a road trip, but too bad. You still got to hear about it. <laughs> now, and tell me I'm, about this road. Yeah. Uh, one that I really like, it's out of the Philippines, and it's called The Road. And um, basically it has these uh, couple of people that are on this road, and it's it's almost like an anthology where it's telling a couple of different stories. It's very almost folklore. Um, And it's just not one that you hear about. Not enough people have watched it. Um, And it's also one of those movies where I think a lot of nuance is lost to cultural cultural, not understanding. Right. But it's still creepy and really good. And I just think it's really worthwhile watching. And part of like, kind of what I want to do with some of these episodes is just talk about things that people might not have seen yeah. otherwise. So, yeah, I thought it was really good. How long is it? Is it... Because I know a lot of movies... Out of, like, the Philippines. Out of the Philippines can be super long. Long. I know. Um, it's 110 minutes, so... That's not, not bad. Not too bad. That's, a, that's average. Yeah. A lot of time I'll be getting ready to watch... You get movies like, like The Wailing that are, like, three hours and 20 minutes. Exactly. Like, Please. <laughs> I'm like, I'm ready to watch... Oh, no, I'm not. A lot of Korean movies. I need to treat this as a miniseries. A lot of not Korean movies are really long, and I'm wondering if that has something to do with the Korean TV shows that run for like nine million episodes. <laughs> People love them. They're super popular, and they're they can be anything from historical dramas to cute little soap operas, but they're all super long. <laughs> okay, let's see. How do you feel about the Children's of the Corns? I as a franchise, it wait it because it, it is there's like okay there's one Stephen Amityville. King it's story like, it's like Amityville yeah it's like there are like thirty seven movies there are thirty seven movies and they vary in quality um I will say I liked the first one same here I actually watched the first one it was a couple of years ago now uh, but I I remember really enjoying it and and I think a little of that is. Watching it with fondness, yeah. But I still, really yeah. There's still, it. it's still creepy enough, and it's you know it's going for that. You know, I kind of love that. <clears throat> it's almost that Wicker Man feeling of we have created our own religion. Uh huh. We believe something that's oh, older yeah, than that's we are. Very much a folk horror film, yep. and it never occurred to me until just this moment. <laughs> so, it was on my list too. So, um, I'm going to bring up Near Dark. It's not so much. Oh my much. god, that's so perfect. It really is. And and so much of their life is like in transit and, and right. running from one they're place a gang to the of, other. They're a group of vampires that are on the who road. Who are always on the road because you can't stay somewhere too long if you're murdering folks. Exactly. And it is the best vampire movie. It really is. Sorry, Jillian. <laughs> You can have your fluffy shirted vampires. I'm gonna take some monsters. But I'm gonna take some monsters. Yep. <laughs> my 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 favorite vampire movies are they're they're always the monsters. 
Um, a movie I just brought up really recently, and I can't even remember what episode it was, but I'm just going to throw it out there again. I love Southbound. It's an anthology film. Um, it's not so much a road movie, but it's more of a stretch of road movie. Um, and I've talked about it's it It's just a like multiple stories that take place along the same stretch, stretch of road. road. Yeah. Nah. It's, it's oh, a loose... it sounds fun. It's a loose definition. It's one of those things I've always thought to show. Um, another one that I was going to bring up was Psycho, because she is on the run. Yeah. Uh, Psycho and uh, 10 Clover Field Lane, I'm going to throw in the same boat, because there are movies where someone has taken off and is running away from something, and they don't get to where they're going because they make a stop on the way, or in, like, 10 Clover Field Lane, have an accident. Right. Uh, where then the rest of the movie exists. Place. Yeah, yeah. I kind of skipped those because of that, that mm-hmm. they're like, oh, but that's a car wreck, and now it's a Haunted Mansion movie or whatever. You know what I... Um, my favorite part of, of our podcast is the fact of is, we'll throw a theme out and mm-hmm. we'll have completely different takes on it. Right. And it is the best conversation. <laughs> all right. People love to hear us argue. No! That isn't the theme at all! <laughs> um, on my list, I have The Vanishing. The original version, not the Kiefer no, Sutherland no, one, as Norwegian, I said earlier. Right? Is it Norwegian? I believe it's Norwegian. And it's just, this guy goes to a gas station, and as he's filling up the car, or he goes in to pay for the gas, and when he comes back, his girlfriend is just gone. And there's n- and he spends years looking for her, and there's nothing. Oh. And that part of the movie is just terrifying. And later he starts to get letters. Oh, God, that's horrible. It, yeah. But, yeah, it's it's a slow-moving movie. I don't know if it's a horror movie as much as it is a thriller. Mm-hmm. But, oh, my God, it's so good. And it's just so haunting. It's just the idea of he's going around and putting up these missing posters and he's doing everything he can to find her in a period of time where there is no internet so all you have is just digging for researching and and years pass and it's literally just he came back and she wasn't in the car at a gas station in the middle of nowhere and that to me is sorry my voice is getting very hoarse yeah but that to me is just creepy yeah it's just it's realistic, I guess. Yeah. Um, this is actually my last movie, and it's one that I've talked about a bunch of other times, but I just find it to be an amazing movie, was The Monster, um, where it's the the really the fucked mom up and mom. Yeah, that's a really to. good movie. Um, I didn't remember this at the time, but I wrote more stuff down this time that uh, the director also did Mockingbird, which is kind of a found footage movie that I got like three quarters of the way through and it started really upsetting me. Basically people, this is not an on the road movie, but, um, and he did The Strangers. Um, But Mockingbird, I actually stopped watching it because it bothered me. Basically people are sent video cameras and told to to take up their camera and start recording. And then it starts giving them messages of things they're supposed to do. Um, So it's kind of twisted and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden different people who have the camera like one's told to get into a clown costume and then like they all start like they have to do things and they're like I think they're told if they stop recording or if they don't do what they're told they'll be immediately killed okay um and it's just it's 
an odd little movie. Um, so, I mean, the stuff that he's done, it's uh, Brian Bertino is his name, has just all been creepy and off-putting and bothering <laughs> and uh, good. Good. I don't know. Did you have anything else? Not really. Not really? No, I had some fun stuff, but... Not worth... Not really something I want to recommend to people. Okay. Um, I don't know if you did your um, your movie recommendations from maybe not movies. Did you do your three from the... I don't Why know don't you do yours? With... Okay. So my I'll three... I'll think of mine. I was going to... Um, I don't know if I'm. I don't know if I'm sticking with this yet. But my three from the crypt. They're pulling them out of the backlog of movies Jen loves. Um, so, the series is popping up in my head. It's a documentary series, and it is the Seven Up series. It is a series of documentaries that started in 1964, where this documentarian Michael Apted, and I think uh, another guy Paul Almond, um, basically started doing. He said, you know. Uh, show you a child at seven and you'll know the man that they're going to be, I think was mm-hmm. kind of the quote that they did. And basically every seven years they've gone back to this group of kids and interviewed them. And it's, I don't know why it popped up in my head, but 63 Up aired in the UK this June. Wow. I was thinking it had, yeah. I think he, I was thinking, I'm like, it's got to be come and do. It's yeah, not so available anywhere. People are, yeah, these yet. are people that you've known in a way, for their entire lives. Yeah. Because you see them every seven years. Every seven this, years. This they are very, very famous over in the UK. And uh, the one guy owns his own cab company. And he was giving a cab ride to Buzz Aldrin. And there was somebody else there. He said the craziest thing is they asked for his autograph and not Buzz Aldrin's. And he's like, are you fucking serious? <sighs> so it's it's interesting because it is a slice of time it's really funny because a woman that i met when i was working with enom which is a domain registrar we had a group of people that were working in ireland and also in the uh-huh. uk my friend faye is actually in the footage from the first year because she went to school with one of the boys oh that's and so neat. there's this scene of all the little kids kind of doing like this little ballet dance where they're all swirling uh-huh. around each other and she's like that's me. There's me. <laughs> and it's like her only shot. It was her class, but it's the only shot of her in the entire documentary. But it's, I think I started, I think 28 and up was when I started watching it. And I went back and watched the earlier ones. And then I've been watching them um, as they've, they've come out. And it, it, oh, with another, you know, other documentaries were the ones that really got me into documentary movies, and I've loved them ever since. Mm-hmm. And there is so much in them, and, and some of the people who are in it hate it. They say it ruined their lives. Sure. And there's others that are like, you know, it kept us married, you know, it it's mm-hmm. just a part of who I am. Um, and I just find it really amazing. Um, the other thing I'm going to bring up, uh, just because it popped into my head the other day, is Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid, which is a Steve Martin <laughs> movie. Um, and Oops. it basically... <laughs> what? <laughs> basically, it takes all of these, all of this footage from old mysteries and all old noir films and turns it into this fantastical mystery comedy that is just beyond ridiculous, directed by um, uh, Carl, Carl Reiner. came out in 82... And it's just a spot the movie fantastical ridiculousness of like just every noir, old noir and mystery you can possibly think of. And there's everyone from Barbara Stanwyck to 
I think Fred McMurray to like everyone, like everybody shows up here and there. J- Jim K- J- uh, Cagney yeah, yeah. shows up. I mean, just everybody. And it's just, it's funny. I think it's falling out of favor. I don't think as many people talk about it. I mean, if you you run into people I thought that it, are, I didn't like it when it first came out because I felt like it was so gimmicky. No, yeah, I mean, I really hated gimmicky. it. But now that I've seen a lot more film noir, I should probably go back and rewatch it because I'm sure I will like it more. more. The script is great, and it's just fun, and everybody's yeah. does a really good job of it. And it, yes, it is a complete gimmick movie, but. That is the period of of Steve Martin that I absolutely adore and where I first developed my huge crush on him. You know, it's the man with two brains. I just, they were all like, so many of them were like considered just bombs. And I just loved every single one of them. I know, I really love the one where him and Lily Tomlin end up getting their souls exchanged. That one is adorable. Yep. And my last thing is... um, Gosh, it's just summertime always makes me think of this. Um, gosh, what year was it now? It was probably like 1997 or so. Um, they in Minneapolis, there was this little uh, theater that would have every night of the week was like a different theme. And they do like noir nights and they do like it, that was where I saw like. Um, uh, oh, my gosh. Uh, Metropolis, but like the mm-hmm. 1970s version with all the, you know, and they just show random films. Well, they had a Charlie Chaplin fest. And so I got to see all of his big movies and a right. lot of his shorts, but on the big screen, which we never get to do anymore. Mm-hmm. And I, I realized how much of Chaplin's film was just never meant to be seen on a television because you lose so much of the oh, yeah. humor. It is made, it was, they never had any idea a smaller screen than a theater screen was ever going to be possible. And my other recommendation is City Lights, which is just, I remember sobbing yeah, uncontrollably it is so at the emotional. end of the movie. Um, and it's just, it is a delight of how, so Charlie plays this like hobo, who he sees this blind girl selling flowers and through a little happenstance you 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 have this hi max come on up you hear this uh chauffeur pull up and a limousine and then the car door slams she's like oh sir and he realizes that she thought he was the rich man who drove away Mm mm-hmm and it sets up all the rest of the film, which is all over the place. I mean, there's all kinds of ridiculousness that happens. But it's just charming and fun. And, and when it's sad, it's just heartbreaking. And when it's funny, it's hysterical. And it's just one of the best movies I've ever seen. And I don't think I don't think many people are watching Silence anymore. And he made No, this and that's really a shame. Because silent film is, is wonderful storytelling. And he made this after Silence had really actually stopped. Yeah. Um, but he was really making a choice to continue making silent movies because they were for everyone. Someone posted a link today to a couple of tiny scenes of Theta Bear's Cleopatra. Oh my god. I didn't know there was... I, I knew anything it was a lost left. film. I didn't know there was anything left. There's like four seconds of film, but also there's an interview with her. Oh my where, god! Yeah, it was like her only recorded interview. That's amazing. Where they talked to her, and I was like, oh my god. So... <laughs> Things that only people who know me here will know is uh, Theta was my um, it was my live journal name back when in mm-hmm. two thousand when I started my live journal was for Theta Barra because I yeah. loved old silent films I so much. Theta my three movies from the crypt. 
The first one, I admit, I cheated because I see it laying here on the table in front of me. <laughs> and that is Black Narcissus. Um, it's a Powell, uh, Powell Pressburger Come on. film. Come on. Um, and it is absolutely stunning. It is about a convent, a bunch of nuns who are sent to a really remote mission high in the Himalayas. And, and meow. Meow. It's all about the way that isolation affects people. And a really cool thing, because it was mine. <laughs> oh, was um, it one of yours last month? It was mine last time. But you know well, what? then you need to get it off your table, so I'm not looking at it. <laughs> um, the cinematographer is Jack Cardiff. And it's who it is, is beautiful. one of the best cinematographers who has period. ever lived, period. And, and one of the things that I really love about stunning. it is it's so much the story about women. It is. It's a story about what happens to women in isolation in a place where they have no one yeah. who is like them. And some of them go mad and some of them, yeah. Start tearing each other apart. Yeah, they start, yeah, yeah they get vicious. And it is it is an amazing movie. I, I've, Jen recommended it last month and then left it on the table for me yep. to haunt me like a ghost. This movie deserves being recommended twice. And um, and the thing I want to mention, too, is we're probably going to have a much bigger discussion on Midsummer because I just hadn't had a yeah. chance to see it yet. Jen hasn't seen it yet. We'll probably talk about it next week. Yep. Our and next podcast. Next podcast. Uh, Black Narcissus is held up as one of the inspirations and one of the thematic inspirations mm. with Midsummer. I can kind of see that. Um. Next movie I have on my list is called Leave Her to Heaven. Oh, yeah. It is a Technicolor film noir. And it's about this guy who meets this incredibly beautiful woman and falls in love with her and marries her. And she become and then starts to find out things about her. Ooh. She's very possessive. She's very jealous. If he even talks to another woman... She gets furious. If she invites her her family to come visit them, she's upset because that's an obstacle between her and him. And when they got married, she knew that it was just going to be the two of them. And it's really good. And it's really scary. Her brand of insanity is very realistic. And yeah. Do you remember who, who are the stars? <laughs> well, never mind that. So what you I can see the woman's face. I know exactly what she looks like. And I was trying to remember, and I can't. That's fine. What's your last movie? Um, my last movie is something completely different. It is Tomb of Lygia. A Roger Corman, Edgar Allan Poe adaptation. But it is of... I've watched all of these recently. Is that recently. the one with the painting? The paintings? Or is that a different one? No, okay. it's... Vincent Price is a widower and he misses his wife very much and they think maybe her soul has jumped into a cat. Not important. What is important is that Vincent Price has some really cool wraparound sunglasses. Of course. At one point a woman faints and he carries her all the way through the graveyard to the house. And oh my God, I want to be that woman. <laughs> um, it's also got a lot of crazy stuff going on because it's a Corman Poe adaptation. But I think it's my favorite, um, largely because Vincent Price carries an unconscious woman through a graveyard, 
as God intended. Um, but also because of all of them, it's it was the only one filmed in location on location. So it's filmed in England. So whereas most of the Corman Poe films are filmed on a static set, they were able to go outside and go to actual ruins. And so it's a much more open, nicer looking film. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is my favorite of that cycle. There we go. That's awesome. That's all my three See, films. Just thought of them at the moment. I, I love that I have added this in because I think both of us love enough different types of films. Oh, yeah. That... I love being able to bring movies out like this that other people might not have seen mm-hmm. and talk about other genres because we watch a lot of different stuff. And so it's fun yeah. to be able to throw those little tidbits out there. Yeah, and there's some films that people would never think to watch and then they're super good. There's a version of the Shirley Temple film, The Little Princess, mm-hmm. directed by Alfonso Cuaron, who did Prisoner of Azkaban. And it's so good, but it's totally heartbreaking because it's a sad little girl. But... Yeah, I would never have watched that if someone hadn't said, no, this is really good, you have to watch it. give it a chance. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So, I'm just going to mention, so this is episode 99. So 99! Next, <laughs> next episode is going to be our 100th episode, and I'm really excited. Uh, we are doing having a whole bunch of guests in that um, we've had on the past, and one that we've never had before. Oh, yeah, we're going to have And it's going to be just... Should we mention what the theme is going to be? Or should yeah, we save the theme it? is the five films that made us. And it's not genre specific, so it's anything that kind of formed who you were yeah. or who you are um, in life. And, and uh, I think that's a really interesting idea for discussion. If you guys would like to, you can post the five films that made you on our Facebook, Facebook page. Or on our that Facebook would be awesome. page. That would be really awesome and might help me narrow my list down. I have um, a list of six, because I can't possibly get rid of them, and then I have an it's overflow list of, like, 17. Uh-huh. <laughs> because film's been really important to me yep. all of my life. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, I am so excited. This was a fantastic episode. I, I loved this discussion, and I am super excited for our 100th episode. And we will talk a little bit about Midsummer in it before we start. Exactly. I promise. I promise. I know you guys are waiting to hear. Midsummer. All right. See you guys in two weeks. Don't Read the Latin can be found at don'treadthelatin.com, on Twitter at DRTL Podcast, on Tumblr, or at facebook.com slash don'treadthelatin. Please rate us on iTunes and tell your friends and themes about us. We're dying to meet them.